Thank you, band, for the beautiful music as we took that time to remember. Good morning. As you just read, according to the Bible, a saint is a member of the baptized community of God. What is a common denominator for saints? They were givers. They gave of themselves. They shared their love. They shared their time. They shared their talents. This has been a hard year of losses for this congregation. It seemed like we just named a whole generation of women and men who in their own ways helped to shape this church. And so we remember, we grieve, we give thanks for the lives of those who've gone on before us to be in God's near presence. Those we hold as saints individually have shaped us collectively. And that's what it means to be part of the body of Christ. That's what it means to be part of the communion of saints. We all share in the loss as well as the blessings of the lives that we remember. Would you pray with me? Let now the words from my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and minds be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. What a privilege it is for me to have the opportunity to share in this message with you this morning. Uh, for those of you who may not know who I am, I'm Jim Connor. I'm privileged to serve as the executive pastor here at the First United Methodist Church of Mansfield, Texas. Perhaps you've heard the story of the little boy who went up to his mother and asked, Mom, where did all of my intelligence come from? And the mother, without missing a beat, replied, Well, son, you must have gotten it from your father, because I still have all of mine. <laughs> what is it that you plan to pass on to others? It was a spring morning in 1888, and Alfred Nobel got up and sat down for breakfast. And as he made his way through the morning paper, he was astonished to find his own obituary. Nobel had spent his entire life making a fortune from the manufacturing and sale of weapons. And on that April morning, a mistaken obituary would change the course of human history. It was actually Nobel's brother who died. Yet reading the summary of his own life left Alfred overwhelmed and saddened. The obituary had accurately described uh, his achievements, but captured none of his true intentions. Nobel dreamed of a time when there would be no more wars. He wanted prejudice and poverty to end. And the obituary characterized him as one who had made his fortune by discovering ways to mutilate and kill, not as a man of peace. And so as he read his own death notice, Nobel resolved that his last will and testament would be the expression of his dearest ideals. And the mistaken obituary was the beginning of the Nobel Peace Prize. The question I have for you this morning is, does the way that you use your own resources speak to your true intentions? Gospel reading for this morning is taken from the 13th chapter of Matthew. As is our tradition, we encourage you to bring your Bible. If you didn't bring one, there's one available uh, near you. The reason we encourage you to bring your Bible is, is for many reasons. Number one, we trust you own a Bible. If not, let us know. We'd give you one. Number two, uh, if you're carrying your Bible with you, and someone sees you carrying your Bible with you, they may ask you what that is, and that might open up conversation. Better yet, let's say you leave your Bible somewhere, and your name's in it, so then someone would, would need to retrieve it to you, and they could tell you as they open their, your Bible, gosh, it doesn't look like you've read much of it. What's going on? Or, or they could say, 
wow, with all those pages earmarked, with, with all the writing in the, in the, uh, on the pages, I learned so much just by having your Bible in my hand. Thank you for the privilege of you sharing it with me that way. Do not be afraid to bring your Bible to church or anywhere that you go. Gospel reading from Matthew 13, verses 3 to 9. Then he told him many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not, much, did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. And still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Amen. So as you heard that passage real quickly, let me just highlight two things I want you to hold on to, maybe three. What is the one thing that Jesus commands us to do? In a word, listen. Listen to the story of the sower and learn that Jesus is incredibly generous in the way and the ways that he shares the word of the kingdom of God indiscriminately with all the people of the world. Seeds went here, there, and everywhere. Listen and learn that God's word is fruitful. An interesting part of the story of the sower for me uh, is that we're called to, to be the sower and to equally be as joyful and generous in the way that we share the message. And finding ourselves in the passage, it can be three different places for many times and in different times we're called to be the sower, we're called to be the good seed, and we're also called to be the good soil. Several weeks ago, I attended the Engage Transforming Missions event sponsored by the Central Texas Conference and featured some of our church members who were leading um, workshops. Uh, the keynote speaker referred to a book by Bob Buford entitled Halftime, which I hadn't read before. And, and in that book, Buford challenges readers to think beyond the traditional model of having a, a life which is filled with a, a very arduous, successful career that then leads to a, a time of retirement and relaxation. Now, to be honest, uh, I have never ever met a person retired who uses the word relax very often, but I digress. Buford had gone from this incredibly successful entrepreneurial life, of, a successful life, and he took a, a time out. He, he took a half time, if you will, when he could reorient himself and then he came back and focused on being significant in another way, by serving others. Why the change of heart? As a man of faith, he was called to something more, to a different standard, to a higher purpose. He quoted a saying by Augustine. Augustine wrote, asking yourself the question of your own legacy, what do I want to be remembered for? Asking that question is the begin of adulthood. On his gravestone, Buford wanted to have the inscription 100X, which stood for 100 times. This is what he wrote. I want to be remembered as a seed that was planted in good soil and multiplied a hundredfold. I want to be a symbol of higher yield in life and in death. 
How is it you want to be remembered? In my experience of pastoring some 36 years, I have never ever come across somebody on their deathbed, somebody who's approaching their last days here on earth. None of them have ever, ever complained that they spent too much time reading the Bible, that they spent too much time praying, that they spent too much of their money in supporting the, the mission and ministries of church. They never complained about spending too much time being involved in mission ministries themselves, caring and serving for those in need. What kind of legacy do you want to be leaving? Now, unless we think this message is aimed for people my age and older, and I'm really not that old, but uh, it's not necessarily for those of us who are rapidly approaching retirement. Because for each and every one of us, today is the first day of the rest of our lives. The decisions we make today, the things we do today, are incredibly important in the eyes of the God who has called us into being, who calls us to be witnesses of love, loving God and loving others, and who calls us to serve others and God as together we work to transform the world. Halftime can literally happen whenever we are ready to reorient ourselves, to recommit ourselves to lives of serving God and others. Now this is the third of uh, several sermons based on stewardship, and I happen to really be one of those old pastors who likes preaching stewardship sermons. It gives me opportunities to share stories like the one about Timmy who didn't want to put his money in the offering plate. And one Sunday, his mother would not let him keep it, so she decided to use some what I would call creative harassing of her son. You don't want that money, honey, she whispered in his ear. Quick, drop it in the plate. And so Timmy did as it went by. After a few seconds, he whispered to his mom, Mommy, why was that money tainted? Was it dirty? She said, no, dear. It wasn't really dirty. It just taints yours and taint mine. It's, it's God's. Thank you for that kind response. I'll, I'll tell that story only one more time. This morning. <clears throat> Being good stewards is an importantly, important part of our being faithful disciples. Uh, Jesus talked more about money than he did almost everything except perhaps the kingdom of God. Eleven of the 39 parables talk about money. One of every seven verses in the gospel of Luke addresses money. But Jesus is pretty clear that we are to use our money to help one another and especially the poor. Whether you've been here the past uh, two weeks or not, uh, if you have read the brochure, the stewardship brochure, you will have seen the message that you're seeing on the screen in front of you. Faithfulness in the first things has the power to change everything. For you see, we make better choices. We pursue better things when we are intentional about putting first things first. And in case there's any doubt whatsoever about what we are to put first, we need to put God first. The brochure is full of great stories of faithful living and faithful giving. If you haven't read, read it, please read it. If you haven't picked one up, there's one available outside the doors. For a guy like me, I am so grateful for those stories because they remind me of, of the ways that other people live faithfully. This church is unique in that it's a four-generation church. And so for some of us in my age bracket, it's even more heartwarming and even more humbling when we hear stories from those uh, of the future generations telling of their lives of faith and decisions they made. We have the opportunity to hear one of those stories this morning as we listen to this clip from Katie Sample. 
We moved here in 2011 and moved into this beautiful home that we had so many wonderful events at. Lots of family gatherings. We had our small group over almost once a month and it was an amazing space because the adults could be downstairs and the children had full reign upstairs. A couple of years ago, Chad approached me with the idea of downsizing and I told him that he was crazy. Why would God wanna take this away from me? I mean, I'm ministering to my small group, I'm ministering to my neighbors and the people around me through my house, and that's, that's the prayer that I prayed for that house to begin with. And that was kind of my argument for Chad. And he was like, well, Katie, have you even prayed about it? No, what? I mean, <laughs> why, why would I pray about that? It's, it's the American dream that you have the big house, and we were actually, we're paying it down and saving some money, but we were gonna be in the rat race for a while. Not get to do the things that we wanted to do with our boys. Little by little, God started chipping away at me and showing me that it wasn't really the dream. The call was to just sell the house and just trust him. It wasn't easy to answer that call or even to hear it because I didn't want to hear it. The message I kept hearing was to just be free, to be free from the chains that um, that bind you to your possessions, to the things that are holding you back from being the person that God has called you to be. There's all kinds of things we could do if we didn't have this huge mortgage payment. The call was to be a giver and to give generously with our money. So we did it. It wasn't easy, but we sold our um, 3,600 square foot house and now we're in our little under 2,000 square foot home. Something that we're trying to teach our children is that we don't have to have all of this stuff. We're trying to teach them relationship and be able to experience this beautiful world that God created um, instead of just taking care of our things. It, it was actually really exciting. We found that God had this new dream for our lives. It was a very personal decision between me and Chad and God, and it's not for everyone. But I guarantee you that you are being called somewhere in an area to give where you can. We will have the opportunity to give in a way that we never thought possible, and that is God's dream for our life. Not the American dream, but this new, wonderful, exciting, um, dream that God has for us. Would you join me? That's such a, a wonderful story. We're grateful for the vulnerability, for the faithfulness in sharing this story. It is an incredible story of faith, an incredible story of faithful living. I want you to hear and read her words again. Katie said, God was calling us to be free from the chains that bind you to your possessions, to the things that are holding you back from being the person God has called us to be. The call to, us be, to be a giver and to give generously. And I believe stories like that will preach. In fact, I think they just did. And while that would be a great place to end the sermon, I still got a few more things I want to share. Uh, the first would be uh, another passage, this time from the Old Testament, from Exodus, the 20th chapter, uh, in verses 1 through 4. Uh, it is a passage that may be familiar to many of you. It is it's filled with the Ten Commandments. Then God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. 
You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. The word of God for the people of God. Let's try that again. That was weak. (laughs) The word of God for the people of God. Amen. Um, It's all right to amen the Ten Commandments and especially uh, all right to, to amen the First Commandment. Have you ever thought why the first commandment was that one, that thou shalt honor God and have no other images, graven images? If you ever thought about that, well, let me tell you why I think uh, it is there. Uh, you shall know the gods before me is there at the beginning because if God isn't first in our hearts, I believe the rest of the commandments are even more difficult to follow. When God is first in our hearts, first in our lives, first in our focus, uh, that we're heading in the right direction. And we're doing the right things. And I think we're ready to meet whatever life holds in store for us along the way. Uh, It's interesting. We, in our own way, tend to to have our own graven images. We have things which separate us from our relationship with God. Sometimes it's it's possessions. uh, It's tools. Sometimes it's it's each other. Uh, Some of us sometimes put our loved ones, our spouses, our children... In a point where they almost are, we love them more than we love God. And, and the scriptures tell us that we are to love God with all our heart, soul, minds, and strength. Our, our love for each other, our love for God should, should be shared in that. It should be increased by the way that we love each other. I, uh, I have to confess that, that I um, wanted to use the TV uh, during worship this morning. was unable to do it because I'm technologically challenged um, and after trying it last night, it did not work. And it just drove home the point for me that, that there are things that I have that I use that I love and other things I'm probably not good at. But I thought a television clicker was something I was an expert at. But an iPhone is something I, I do know how to use. And, and what I have realized about my iPhone more and more uh, is that in many ways it is drawing a wedge between me and what God would have me do between me and my relationship with, with, with you. How many times have you been at a place, whether it be a meal, whether it be uh, a, a meeting, whether it be a gathering in someone's home, and, and someone is checking their phone? And they're checking their phone, obviously, because whatever is coming across that, that screen, it's got to be much, much, much more important than you. Uh, it's got to be much, much more important than whatever the conversation is. How can we possibly not give people the attention that they deserve when we're with them? How can we always want to believe that the next message coming across our iPhone or an email is more important than being where we are and doing what God is calling us to do in that moment. Now that's some meddling and hear it that way, but let me also offer this promise to you. If you see me checking my iPhone in a meeting with you or at a meal, I want you to throw something at me. You have my permission. Uh, that'll help remind me that I'm called to be accountable in that way. The question uh, this morning is, are we as a church being accountable uh, to serving God's interest or are we serving our own? Uh, Jesus never talked about church budgets. I'm not going to talk about church budgets, but I'm going to talk about this church and the wonderful things we do. And my answer is absolutely. What we do is in tune with God's interest for us and for the world. And I'm going to display that by showing numbers. I love numbers. 9,000 represents the prayer postcard sent to school district employees and first responders by this church in the fall. 575 is the amount of wheelchairs 
that we helped to transport 300 down into the Texas conference uh, that, that went to areas like Beaumont and, and Houston. They also sent 26 specialized wheelchairs to Puerto Rico. 275 of the other wheelchairs went down to Matamoros, Mexico with a, a mission team sent from this church. And to hear their stories of lives changed as, as people were fitted for wheelchairs and suddenly became mobile, became free to go places that they couldn't go before. And the lives that were changed of those who got to witness that and to serve in that way is truly profound. The 1650 rep represents uh, weekend food backpacks, the snack packs that are put uh, in for 50 children in three different schools. That may well be the only nutritious food that that child, that members of that family may have that particular weekend. 20,000 is one of my favorite numbers up there. It represents the amount of cookies that, that we help to supply uh, to, to troops uh, as well as to people through the Kairos ministry. And just for the record, I still like snickerdoodle and chocolate chip. Um, the next slide, we, we have 741 and 442, which represents the children and the volunteers at Vacation Bible Camp, 206 students and 80 volunteers at Mission, United Mission Week, 80 volunteers each Wednesday serve meals to those in need with the Beautiful Feet Ministry. There's 25 Big Hope mentors with students at Alice Ponder. 97 represents the amount of people to volunteer to help with a new ministry, which is started by someone in our church, Julie Harding. Project Transformation, we help to supply 600 uh, library books with our donations. We help put that library together and people went to read to the children. What an incredible gift for those that heard, for those that read for those that loved. Finally, 100,000, perhaps one of the most incredible numbers up there, but there have been 100,000 volunteer hours from members of First United Methodist Church in the missions and ministries of the Wesley Mission Center. What a great celebration of who we are and what we do together. What a great celebration of answering God's call to be there for others, of taking care of those in need. I couldn't be more privileged and pleased to be at a church, to be more humble to be at a church that does that kind of work. Well, there's one more slide I want to show you. It's a slide similar to one I showed you last year, and this is what it says. 7,877 represents the amount of members we had at the close of last year. We've taken in over 200 members. We've lost some members to death and to moving away. We're really darn close to 8,000. And 695 represents the amount of pledging units we have as a church. Now that represents more than 695 people because couples pledge together, families pledge together. And in reality, we have close to 16 or 1700 folks that give to this church. But we have 8,000 members. And to me, that means we have a, a whole lot of work to do together to continue to find ways to step up that we all might participate in supporting the ministries of this church and what God is calling us to do. God has incredible plans for us in 2018. Plans that will truly, truly make a difference in this community and the surrounding communities. Plans that will help change the world. And if every one of our members not only pledged but tithe, and tithe is 10% of the income, we would change the world next year. Change the world in a way that would absolutely, absolutely show God's love, change lives, save lives. But we don't know what we can do together as a church for next year. The plans that we have, we're not sure we can carry out until we know that you're going to be supportive of them. We never support a church budget with our, our pledges. What we do is we pledge as an act of faith, as an act of our discipleship, as an act of response to the blessings that we've received from God, recognizing that I, I and you, we all are truly called to share our blessings with the world 
Everything we have been given is, comes from God, and we can take none of it with us. So let's find ways to share it. I want you to be ready next week because we will parade our pledge cards forward and put them in baskets in the front. Some of you have already turned them in. That's fine. We'll have blank pledge cards. Bring a blank pledge card forward next week. But it's an act of worship, an act of discipleship, and it will be an act of celebration. Let me assure you, you will be happier and healthier if you are a regular giver and a pledger. I have discovered this many times over. I am honored to serve as the executive pastor here at First Methodist. I want to thank you for your prayers and for your generous gifts, which helped to establish God's kingdom here and everywhere. You know, 100 years from now, it won't matter what size house we lived in or the size of our financial portfolio. It won't matter the kind of car that we drive. The world will be different because of the way that we've lived, the way that we've loved, the way that we've served, and the way that we have given. What is your legacy going to be? May God grant you grace and direction while you write your legacy today, tomorrow, and all of the tomorrows. Amen.